Welcome to our Wet Ass Podcast. I'm Nick Mitchell. And I'm Scott Tedford Barnes. And you're listening to Legends of Sportsball, an educational celebration of useless jock knowledge. Thank you for joining us. Okay, so this is our first episode. Yeah. It's our pilot, so to speak. First, we'll do an outline. So basically, um, we will do the scoreboard stumper here in a moment, which Scott has picked out. Yes, indeed I have. Then we will do the tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. Then I will take over notable, notable jabronis. Notable jabronis. And then we will do our inductee and our first ever inductee. The the first ever inductee into the Legends of Sportsball Hall of Fame is Chuck Knobloch. And then we have a special guest who will give us some insight on um, on some of the issues that Chuck Knobloch had. No spoilers. And um, we will get into the Stumper answer, finish off with thoughts and prayers, and we'll send you on your merry little way. Um, so let's start with the scoreboard Stumper. The scoreboard Stumper. Okay. Since uh, we will be talking about the Minnesota Twins a little bit, we want to know, do you know who the Minnesota Twins sibling city is? What was the original baseball team where was it located what were they called before they moved to minnesota and became the twins excellent so where where were the twins located yeah where before were they, located? they became the minnesota twins and what was the the, the name of their team like nice yeah i yeah. don't know that one i can't wait to hear about that one yeah i'm excited to get into that Okay, so we just launched our Twitter and our Facebook, and we've already got some Twitter followers, despite the fact that we have zero content to offer the people. <laughs> but our first tweet of the week is from one of our followers. Yeah, it's uh, from his name is Kevin Smith, and it's not like you know the jean shorts Kevin Smith, you know, uh, clerks Kevin Smith. His, I don't he's like actually, that Kevin Smith it's yeah. nearly as much as this Kevin Smith. Definitely not. Like, come on, man. You're a grown man. Stop Jake Flicks. I hate, I hate his whole style. Chasing Amy. Kevin Smith, I hope you don't listen to our show. Yeah, please don't, actually. Not because not because I'm afraid you're going to hear this, just because I don't want you to listen to our show. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you may have a band coming in your future. So, uh, when we first started our uh, Twitter handle, you know, we set it up, put it together, and we started just, you know, finding people who would follow us and some guy, this is Kevin Smith from. I guess he's here from Cincinnati. He mm-hmm. was our he was our first follow, and uh, he actually tweeted out just yesterday. He said he tweeted, um, "Being a Reds fan is a lot like having poison ivy on your feet," and uh, I think that resonates with everybody here. <laughs> you know, I'm holding back tears. Uh, the 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 rest of the sports fans out there who have just you know championless teams they 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 know how it is too so you know thank you kevin smith and and like poison ivy you know you just have that relentless that relentless need to want to um to relieve the itchiness and you know and you just you never get to relieve that itch (laughs) no and and i will say the only flaw in this tweet as an idea or metaphor is the fact that you only get poison ivy once, and I feel like I've had poison ivy a lot of times as a Reds fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah, and uh, sometimes you know it hurts so much it's poison oak and ivy. 
and chiggers. <laughs> well, shout out to Kevin Smith, our first follower. Yeah. Hopefully he checks us out later once we get it uploaded. Uh, Scott, tell us about our notable jabronis. Our notable week. jabronis. If you follow professional wrestling and you know about AEW, I hope you do. Please tell me you do. I, I mean, you should be following everything Chris Jericho does. Um, Absolutely. Chris Jericho uh, is probably a future inductee. If there was a first wrestling inductee, I would probably have to go with Jericho, but... We'll have, to, we'll have to get into the role stipulations of our uh, process at some point later. Anyway, the notable jabronis for this week. Yeah, it's a, it's a vetting process for that. But uh, our no- first notable jabroni is Jim Ross. He used to um, call matches for WWF and WWE. He's been around forever. Um, he's 68 years old. JR! Oh. <laughs> the humanity! He uh, often would yell during chair hits. Um, he uh, he now calls matches for AEW. Um, AEW, if you don't know, it's all elite wrestling. That's right. It's uh, it's on TNT. Well, this last weekend they had a pay per view, and he was calling a match between two female wrestlers, and um, he was hoping for a wardrobe malfunction on air. He said, and I quote, did Anna Jay have a wardrobe malfunction or is that wishful thinking in my book? The 68-year-old, you know, probably Hall of Fame commentator Yikes. said about the 22-year-old female wrestler. Yikes. The uh, uh, other broadcasters quickly, very quickly moved to talk about the eight-man tag match that was next, but... There might be a clip on Twitter. Is there another notable jabroni? There is. His name is Novak Djokovic. And as why, you know, we probably won't talk about a whole bunch of tennis on this show. Uh, Certainly qualifies in the jabroni category, yeah, in my it, opinion. You I'm know, sorry. It, it happened on U.S. soil, so now we have to care. <laughs> um, it's at the, it was at the U.S. Open. Uh, Djokovic was frustrated in the middle of a match. And uh, you know how the, the line judges throw out throw out balls to the tennis tennis players and you know they usually throw one back well this time he swatted one back with his tennis racket and hit a uh let me see here how old was she well she she hit a line judge in the throat uh i think i saw the clip of that on that bob mentory face or instagram page that we were looking at earlier i think yeah a clip of that where um it's just like kind of a light hit that just like catches catches her right on the throat. She's probably a good twenty feet away. Yeah, p- probably further than that. But it, I mean, it's got zip on it. It comes off a tennis Seriously. racket. Yeah, a professional tennis racket. Like so. you know, he was so so. Novak Djokovic is at a tur- at a tournament that he's expected to win. He's the world number one. He doesn't have like Rafael Nadal or Fra- Roger Federer to face him. Um, so he pretty much had a clear path. Well, because he did that. He defaulted. He was ejected from the game and the tournament. He's going to lose around two hundred and sixty-six million. Sorry, two hundred and sixty-six thousand dollars because wow. his frustration cost him one a horrible thing he did that he'll he'll call an accident. But second, it hit him in the wallet. I mean, whatever. You're losing money. Losing money. Quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. Okay, those are our notable jabronis. Okay, so with that, we will get into our first inductee. Our first inductee into the Legends of Sports Ball Hall of Fame, Chuck Knobloch. 
Born in Houston, Texas, Knobloch came from a baseball family as his uncle Eddie Knobloch and father Ray Knobloch played and managed in the minor leagues between the late 1930s and mid-1950s. Knobloch played for the Bel Air High School baseball team, which also produced many other former major leaguers, including Chris Young, who's an outfielder who played for the Rockies, a few other teams, and Jose Cruz Jr., a player I really liked. Knobloch missed his senior season in 1986 due to a broken leg, coincidentally, but he cheered from the bench as the team won the state championship. Imagine how good that team is that yeah. Chuck Knobloch <clears throat> doesn't even play and you still win your state championship. Right. I mean... Who, who were they? <laughs> um, Chuck stole 25 bases or more for 10 of his 12 seasons. He has the most stolen bases for the Twins since they moved in 1961. He returned in 2018 to the new Yankee Stadium to commemorate the 20th anniversary of the 98 World Series champions. In the 1991 World Series, Chuck Knobloch committed probably the biggest fake-out in baseball history. Incredible. Uh, Lonnie Smith, who has wheels for the Atlanta Braves, Oh, I should mention, it is the eighth inning. It is Game 7. Um, eighth inning, Game 7 of the World Series. Two Braves twins. Yeah, two great pitchers on the mound, so runs were tough to come by. So, yeah, eighth inning, uh, Lonnie Smith is at first. He's run, He's you know, He's on the base paths, and Terry Pendleton's batting. Well, it was a delayed steal, and Pendleton actually ends up hitting a screamer into the right center gap, and... I don't know if you know much about the Metro Dome in Minnesota, but that uh, that is a tough surface. It is concrete underneath that turf. So that ball is skipping. It's it's flying. So Lonnie Smith, with his speed, should easily, easily score from first base. Knobloch notices, though, that Lonnie Smith has no idea where the ball is. So Chuck, this is him as a rookie, pretends that he's fielding a ground ball and pantomimes... <laughs> Throwing it to the shortstop, which, so Lonnie Smith sees this, and he's like, oh, no, I'm getting doubled up. Because he had no idea where the ball was. First of all, huge so mistake. instead of taking off, Lonnie Smith is like, oh, no. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. He peed a little. Uh, he deked him. Yeah, he deked him. Also, I mean, it's short for decoy, but we all, you know, we know what deeks are by now. Uh, so Knobloch deeks him and lets him believe that he has the ball. Lonnie Smith slows down to second, trots in, but he still has no idea where the ball is. So he takes a few steps off towards third and notices he sees Terry Pendleton wheeling as fast as he can around first towards second and has to just run as fast as he can to third base. So runners at second and third, when it should be runner at second, one run scored. Chuck Knobloch, though, prevented that run and later... The Braves weren't able to score with two men on and nobody out. Yeah, they had runners on second and third, no yeah. outs, and they, they did a, not produce a run. They got one out, and then they walked David Justice because, you know, duh. And then they got another out. You know, it, it was it was incredible. So And the, the Twins end up plating the 10th run, yeah, the, 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 the run in the 10th. Yeah, so the, in, in the 10th, the next run that comes across was by the Twins and Chuck Knobloch. So Chuck yeah. Knobloch is a rookie, saved them in the eighth inning of the World Series. Yeah. By decoying Lonnie Smith into thinking that he's fielding a ground ball when it was a shot by Terry Pendleton into the gap. That's just incredible. Yeah. That's one of the great baseball stories right there. And that's the, the kind of stuff that you don't really, you know, that makes baseball special right there. Absolutely. Um, so, 
Yeah, I mean, Chuck had a lot of great things. He did a lot of great things early in his career. He was um, Major League Baseball Rookie of the Year in 1991. He was a four-time All-Star, and he miraculously walked more times in his career than he struck out. Very uncommon that that, yeah. that that happens. He walked 804 times in his career and only struck out 730 times. Yeah, that, that uh, rookie of the year he won, he only hit one home run that whole season. It is the lowest <laughs> total <laughs> for any rookie the of the year. the most he ever hit in a year was like 18 or 19 for the Yankees. Yeah. But he, his rookie year, he hit one. One, and, he, and he still won rookie of the year. And he, I mean, and he, he slugged all right. I mean, he hit a lot of triples, hit a lot of doubles, led oh, the yeah. league in each of those categories at one point. And, um, and uh, yeah, but it's just funny. Yeah, yeah. There's no home runs. One home run that rookie year. I mean, so that '91 Twins team had star power. Freaking Kirby Puckett, you know. <laughs> so the turning point of Chuck's story occurs um, in 1998 when he developed the yips. And these are the problems that have become well documented over the last few days. Throwing it into the stands, and ironically enough, the ball hit Keith Oberman's mother. Right between the eyes. She was all right. The glasses were broken. Chuck could no longer consistently and accurately throw the ball to his first baseman, an affliction called yips. Chuck's yips occurred from the overuse of the same muscles doing the same task over and over with the added pressure of playing in New York. The pressure was a proven factor because from 91-97, Chuck averaged 143 games played a season, and he averaged about nine errors uh, per season. And, in fact, he was going to fielder that his last year there with the Twins, he won the American League Gold Glove Award for his defensive efforts at second base. The Yips became more of a problem in New York um, by evidence of his 26 errors playing for the Yankees in 99. He had 13 throwing errors in 1998, and that number doubled in 99. Notably, all of his errors were throwing-related, not a booted ball or having a problem getting the glove on it. Here's Olbermann on the matter while calling a game in 2018. And then, of course, Chuck Knobloch could come back at any moment. <laughs> you don't know this story. It was across the street in the old Yankee Stadium. Tried to throw the ball back to first base, and instead it got a little personal. He bounced it off the Yankee dugout and hit my mother. <laughs> really? Yeah. Ground ball second base should be an easy picking for Torres, and it is, and we're two out. Yeah, why would I, as I said at the time, why would I make that up? <laughs> but it hit your mother. There she is. Now, now she lost a filling about three months later and was back the next day because she was a gamer. And uh, um, also, she was in the front page and the back page of the New York Post and the New York Daily News for like three days. Best week of her life. It was all downhill from there. In 2007, Chuck was named with provided evidence in the Mitchell Report. It was a sweeping, sweeping document. He was a suspected steroid user and human growth hormone. He was shown to procure HGH from Kirk Radomski. He was uh, the Yankees' assistant strength coach at the time. A little shout-out to A-Rod right there. Oh, yes. um, Brian McNamee stated he uh, injected Chuck seven to nine times during the 2001 campaign when reports came out that he'd been retired for five years. Uh, apathetically, he stated, I love this quote, I have nothing to defend and I have nothing to hide at the same time. Chuck was deposed in 2008 <laughs> after being subpoenaed. Uh, he, w- he waited until like the last minute to finally get back to them. Knobloch admitted to using HGH. He said at the time, I quote, I did HGH. It didn't help me out. It didn't make me any better. I had the worst years of my career from a batting average standpoint, and I got hurt. So there was no good that came out of it for me. 
It was not performance enhancing for me. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of like is the worst thing to admit because it's like, look, the steroids didn't even work. I suck so bad that they didn't even. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, like it was totally worth putting a needle in my butt seven to nine times to suck. So there was the yips, and then there was the HGH, and then in 2009. Chuck was charged with assaulting and choking his common-law wife near Houston, Texas. He pled guilty. Allegedly, they were having divorce issues. And then again, on July 24th, 2014, he was charged with assault of a family member. Um, so the twins had planned to induct him into their Hall of Fame that season, but decided to cancel that entirely after that latest incident. Yeah, yeah. Uh he was just left out, and they just kind of, I think they just dropped that, let it hang in the wind, and let it go. It's a tragic story. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what you're going to get as far as the theme for our inductees. You know, a lot of them will be players that have very high points and very low points. Um, sort of the people that get lost in the shuffle in these games, in these yeah. sports ball games. Yeah. Um, up next, we will have an interview with Norm, who is a friend of mine who has suffered from the yips. Yeah. So we can get some, we will get some direct insight from him here in just a moment. Oh, hello. Hey, can you hear me? Hey. Yeah. How's it going? Good. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, yeah, so this is our new podcast, man. You're our first guest ever. How does that make you feel? Uh, like a top five guest ever. <laughs> well, you will be for at least five episodes. <laughs> That's what I figured. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Do you hear Scott? <laughs> hey, Norm, it's Scotty here. All right, so... um. Wanted to ask you first, like, when did you first notice that you had the yips? So, I mean, I played, like, baseball growing up and everything, and I was playing softball, and for a while I was pitching. And then one night we were playing, and I was catching, and I literally couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher. Yeah, and uh, you were catching? I, I, I've been, yeah, I was catching. Okay. So it's just a soft toss back to the catch pitcher, and I couldn't do it. And uh, I just kept throwing it right in the ground. And uh, basically, I kind of thought I was just kind of drunk. <laughs> you know, like, oh, this is stupid. I'm drunk. But then uh, <laughs> the next week out, same shit. Like, I lost the ability to uh, find the release point of when to throw the ball. That's insane. Yeah. Like, I learned, like, if it was like, like if I played second base and the ball was hit to me and I just, like, turned and threw it. And didn't think that was fine. Or if I was throwing long, it was fine. But for the longest time, I could barely toss the ball. Right. And then uh started playing darts, and I was doing the same thing. I was sitting like two feet below the board Man, and shit like that. That's like that's like Darren Dalton developed that, didn't he, from the Philadelphia Phillies catcher? And then they they uh, joked about that in um, Major League Two. Major League Two, yeah. Yeah, uh, and so did uh, the pitcher. Remember Wild thing. Oh, Mitch Williams. Yeah, he, yeah. They they portrayed him in that, and then yeah, I think that was yeah, that was based and, on that as well. Who was the other guy? The guy pitcher from St. Louis. And he ended up moving to the outfield. Oh, Rick Ankiel. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was like a good pitcher and then a bad pitcher and then a good hitter and then a bad hitter. And then he was just done. He might be a good inductee to our Hall of Fame that we have created here. <laughs> yeah, he's infamous. <laughs> um, so you said now it affects you from your dart playing? Like you can't really throw darts now either? No, like it's weird. Like, like I can probably like I can throw a football and, you know, I can toss the ball a little bit as long as I'm not thinking about it. But if uh, I start thinking, if it gets in my head, all of a sudden, I, I it's like weird. Like I hold on to the ball too long. So or, it is, it is mental. Like, yeah, it is mental a little bit, yeah. right? The way it works. Or, or I'll start trying to throw the ball like without like holding on to it. And then it like lobs it up real high and goes nowhere. So it, it's very weird. It's gotten better, but there was a time like I would I refused to like play darts because I couldn't throw the goddamn dart. That's frustrating, man. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Well, but I said it's just like Chuck Knobloch. I know, and I asked you about it. You were like, "You talking about?" I asked you about the yips, and you're like, "Are you talking about the Chuck Knobloch disease?" That's awesome. What about Olbermann? Yeah. Oh yeah, did you hear the story on Olbermann? I'm sorry, what? Keith Olbermann. So one of his errant balls, we covered in this episode, one of his errant balls hit Keith Olbermann's mom in the stands. Oh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. It's hilarious. Like, we got this clip of we got this clip of Keith Olbermann talking about it. His mom was like, it was like the best thing that ever happened to his mom, he said, because it made her so famous. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, I did not know that. It was weird. Like, I literally... I couldn't get it back to the softball mound. Like I had to start throwing it underhand back to him. Man. It was, yeah, it was that bad. The like, catcher pitching it, to the I, pitcher. I basically quit softball because I was like, I, this is embarrassing. I'm out. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. So one more thing before I let you go. We do a, a scoreboard yeah. stumper. I wanted to see if you want to take a shot at the scoreboard stumper. Uh, sure. All right, Norm. It's Scotty here. Uh, I want to know, before the Minnesota Twins were the Minnesota Twins in 1961, what team were they before that, and where were they located? The Montreal Expos. Sorry, that is nope. wrong, my friend. It is wrong. As soon as I said it, I'm like, that is not it. <laughs> we still love it for the effort. We'll let you go, Norm. I really appreciate it, man. Hey, no problem. I'll talk Deep to you up. soon. Take care. Bye. Okay, so yeah, I want to thank my friend Norm for coming on the yeah, thanks, come on Norm. the podcast today. Thanks, Norm. Uh, so what what is the scoreboard stumper answer? The scoreboard stumper answer is the Washington Senators. Now, a lot of people say that the Texas Rangers are the Washington Senators, and that is actually also true. Um, after in 1960, they moved to Minnesota. But then in 1961, the Washington Senators reopened again as a expansion team. And uh, they were pretty garbage. And with, within only 10 years, they were sold off to... So that's like the Browns. That's like if the new Browns went and became a team elsewhere. Because the Browns became the Ravens. And then the, the new Browns came. And then so that'd be like if... like. Ba like Baker Mayfield and all these guys packed up their bags and went somewhere Yeah, else. it's like if you brownsed yourself. 
Um, it, <laughs> don't browns yourself. Don't brown uh, yourself. Don't be a Washington Kids, senator. Kids, don't browns yourself. So, yeah, there are kind of two forms of the senators. Uh, the 1961 that moved to Minnesota and became the Twins, named after the twin, twin Cities. And the 61 to 71 senators that became the Texas Rangers. So there's kind of two answers. Very nice. Okay, so... With that being said, we'll get into our uh, thoughts and prayers and wrap things up. So the thoughts and prayers segment is where we give our thoughts of things we talked about and maybe other things in the sports world. And and prayers are um, things that we hope to see in the future. Uh, Let's start with your thoughts, Scotty. My thoughts. Oh, my thoughts. Of course, you know, anybody with yips, that's terrible. Like there's also like the, you know, psychological aspect of it. That's crazy. Um my thoughts are that I've seen a lot of things where ac- acupuncture and uh, therapy actually help people with yips and they can get over them in one to two sessions. And that hopefully that if you have that problem, that's your case. I didn't know people got over the yips. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess Norm said that too, <clears throat> that he, if he does, if he's like able to not think about it. If he, yeah. <laughs> like it's like, like redeveloping it. It's crazy. So that's my thoughts on that really. All right. So my thoughts are, um, it's wild that these guys ha- can put together these uh, statistical anomalies, like the the fact that he was such a pure hitter. I think he was a career two ninety six hitter, which is just incredible for the the length of his career, and the fact that he was a Gold Glove second baseman and he stole a ton of bases, like you said earlier, and um, rookie of the year. I mean, he was just on track for the Hall of Fame. It just goes to show a lot of what. It, has to do with the Hall of Fame is like you got to be like a Dave Winfield. You have to just survive for a very <laughs> long period of time. Stand the test of time. You know, it's like you got guys like, and I guess I think that will be a theme for our show is like, um, or our podcast that the people that we induct are people that had, you know, their careers cut short for one way or another and mm-hmm. um, otherwise had the talent and ability that they were Hall of Fame players. Yeah, I mean, also Knobloch was four-time World Series champion, four-time, you know, like all-stars, two-time Silver Slugger. He's no, he retired at 35. Right, but his only time that he was up for Hall of Fame, I think it said it was 2008, and he received point zero two percent Not 2%, 0.02%. 12 so. years in the major leagues doesn't really do it for anybody anyway. Right, and again, it's the yips. You know, it's yeah. like, it's just, it's, a shame to see that a lot of what has to do on whether you get in really is the longevity of mm-hmm. it all, you know. Um, so let me get your prayers. My prayers are... Reds related? <laughs> of course they're Reds related. I mean, you know, how many times can we say get them next year? But my prayers are that, you know, someone please take Jim Ross away from us. Not the comedian, but the... <laughs> JR. <laughs> The humanity! You know. And what about you yourself, sir? My prayers... Um, Yeah, my prayers are Reds-related. I I want to see them just commit. They either need to go all young, play Tyler Stevenson and um, Lopez and um, Aquino every day, yeah. or they need to really go for it. And, like, you know, use the veterans. Use Galvis. Use uh, Tucker, or more importantly, Casali. Kirk Casali's having a pretty good year. And... Um, you know, go with the veterans, and I just feel like they're they're trying to dip their feet in both. You know, they're trying to give Lopez at bats, but they're still trying to stay in the playoff race. And it just seems like you gotta do one or the other. Make up your mind. I'm I'm cool with either way. I just want you to 
go all the way in. So I pray that they come to that conclusion. That yeah. is all I'm praying for. There's a paradox there. It's like, are you are you pretending it's September and it's a crappy season, or are you having a crappy season and it's September? <laughs> Bring all these guys up. All right. Well, thanks for listening to our first episode. Uh, uh, you can find us on Facebook, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at L Sportsball on Twitter at the letter L Sportsball. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Thank you for listening to Legends of Sportsball. May the sports be with you. Always. Always.